Welcome to a uh, live edition of the Grizz Den podcast. This is the second annual uh, live podcast here at the Car Avenue Bourbon Club. Thanks for having us again. We had a blast last year. We're, we're just back here to run it back a little earlier in the season this time. Um, although when the temperature drops below 95 degrees, you know that fall is coming. And that means that Grizzlies basketball is around the corner. And I was doing the math a few minutes ago. 17 days until the first preseason game, which is pretty insane if you think about it. Uh, training camp actually starts in 12 days. So we are truly right around the corner. And we have, um, we have you know, a lot to talk about. We're going to be doing a little buy-sell game. We've got some, uh, some ideas that we've come up with, and we're going to throw them out there and explain if we think we're, uh, we're buying it or we're selling it for this upcoming season. And before we get going, I, we, we teased an announcement on our last podcast, and we are going to mention it here today. We have officially joined a podcast network. Um, so it's the Fan First, um, Fans First Sports Network, and we are proud to be their flagship Grizzlies podcast. And so we'll be kicking that off. You might have heard some ads already on the last podcast, but we are officially kicking that off with this episode here with our guests at the Car Avenue Bourbon Club. So uh, we're excited about that. And uh, we're going to get into the buy-sell section of this podcast. Um, and I have the first one. And are you buying this or are you selling this? The Grizzlies have done enough this offseason to be a legitimate championship contender. Kraft, we'll start with you. Oh, we're starting with me? Okay. Yeah. Well, we only get positive before yeah, we maybe so, shy away I mean, from positive. Yeah, the strongest buy ever. I mean, we were a legitimate <laughs> contender last year. We were a str- we were a legitimate contender last year. Uh, we would have won the title probably, except for injuries. There it and is. Can we define legitimate? Uh, le- legitimate means the arguably the first or second best team in the NBA last year until we had injuries. And so, if we were a legitimate contender last year, and we've gotten better this year, we're obviously a legitimate title contender. So, I, strong buy, as strong as it gets. Really, That's where we think? are. Oh man, you called me out. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I would. I'm a. I'm a hold to potentially sell out of the gate. I, I think we're. If you phrase this, did we do enough to to look like title contenders in the regular season? I think I would buy that. I don't think that we've done enough to compete with grown men in the playoffs, in my opinion, and I'm. Very hesitant that that will prove itself out this year in the playoffs. And that's how I would define it is can we win against the best in the playoffs? And I don't think that we're there yet. Ty? Yeah, I would probably agree with with Brantley. Um, Twofold, like I keep going back about, you know, to win like a championship, you usually have to have like a guy. Like, the Bucks had Giannis. Um, the Warriors had Steph kind of going in order the last few winners. Toronto had Kwai. And then last year they had Nuggets, obviously, had Jokic. So I'm trying to decide if, like, if I'm ready to, to think that Ja can do that. And I think it would be projecting off of flashes in the pan. But that's the thing. Like, he's had those moments. Like, if you just watch the Minnesota series, he dunked and, and did – Malik Beasley's career 
And then yeah, he hasn't played again. Rattled off. Yeah, I don't know if he has actually. And then rattled off like 17 points in the fourth to like basically win that game for us. Um, he's put up big time numbers and like must win games. So part of it is like he has shown that ability, but like has he at the same time? You know, like what's a first round series a little bit different than like true title, like game five on the road in the NBA finals kind of thing. And I. To me, in my opinion, like in in this modern landscape with NBA, like you got to have a guy. Like you just have to. Um, history tells you that too. And I'm kind of in the camp of like, if you'd asked me this year, I'd have been like all in. He's the guy. But now, obviously, things have kind of changed a little bit. The narrative has changed a little bit, maybe unfairly so. Um, it's not unfair. But I think that's kind of where I am right now. Is like probably I think on hold is I'm going to hold that. It's probably the best way. I know that's cheating. Um, so if I had to buy or sell, I'd probably sell it. I, I'm i probably a slight buy, and it has almost less to do with the Grizzlies as it does as the, M- the NBA overall. Like, I don't think there's, like, a clear-cut contender juggernaut that I'm just like, all right, it's theirs to lose. Like, there's really not that team. The Nuggets got a little bit weaker. I think the championship hangover thing is real. Uh, in the East, you have Jokic retired too. Right? Yeah, pretty He's much. Never coming back. He probably Serbia. would. Honestly, I think he did. Um, Giannis, you've had some weird comments coming out of him recently, like not thinking the Bucks have done enough to win. You got the Celtics, who obviously the Celtics and Grizzlies are linked this year because of the players that that we traded. Um, they gave us their they gave us their heart and soul. So I don't know what they're going to plan to do next. So year. I don't know. There's not that, and obviously Sixers are in disarray. Um, there's not really a Western Conference team that I'm, like, totally afraid of this year. So, it could but be... But in the playoffs? So You're not totally afraid of them in the playoffs? No, not really. I mean, I just think you could very much explain this last playoffs with uh, with injuries and some other just, like, weird off-court stuff. Keep but, speaking that truth. But I will say this. you If we are, let's say, like, 7-18 and 18 after the first 25 games and that's when Ja comes back then this turns into a sell, obviously. So I think it's it's just a weird kind of middle period of time where if we're 500 or better going into the 26th game of the season and we've weathered the storm and Ja comes back in the last in that Pacers game or the Pelicans game, whichever one, and uh, and looks great, then who knows? I mean, so it's sort of a hold too. So yeah, but probably slight buy. And I don't think we're going to be bad either. Like I would be very surprised if we were like several games under five hundred right. when Jock comes back. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to be a very competitive, good team. Yeah. But when you're talking about, and I, I, we do, we probably do a bad job of that, maybe of like context matters sometimes. And we're like, I mean, it's a podcast, so we can do whatever we want because it's fun. But we're usually like, we're either going to win the title, or like nothing else matters. And like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. When you look at the outlook of our team, the trajectory that we're on, the age of our players and coach and franchise in general, it's like a, a whole new franchise has started like three years ago. Um, so it's probably unfair for us to like do that. But again, we can do what we want. I feel like Kraft is like itching in his chair. Settle to, down. To buddy. scream positive over here. Next time. topic or do you do you have anything else to say about this one? I just move on. We Two years ago, we had the second best record in the NBA. Last year, I believe we had the third best record in the NBA, third or fourth. I'm not disagreeing with and you on the regular season, so, by the way. Right. So, to me, and what, you know, one of the worst myths is the regular season doesn't matter. The team that wins the title is dominant in the regular season, is is always top five 
in at least one one either offensive or defensive efficiency. Um, honestly, Denver last year was the the weirdo team that actually had a outside of top ten efficiency in uh, defense, um, but really ratcheted up in the playoffs. But they were just so elite offensively with the number one offense that it didn't matter. But I'll just say, like, I just don't see anything happening again. And the last two years with that success in the regular season. We've had tons of injuries. We never had our starting five playing together. We played rookies massive amounts of minutes. Guess what Guess what is not going to happen this year? We're not going to play a rookie probably any minutes, um, except maybe late in the season when we're not caring because we're already like the one or the two seeds. So all that said, you know, I just, I just think it. we're – <laughs> I just don't like, – I just the one of the things – the NBA is strangely predictable, and why the, – the fact that – you know, even just, you know, again, not getting in the national media, but the fact that like already we're back in the play in again, you know, four straight years of vastly surpassing expectations uh, from kind of the mainstream. I just why on year five would we not do that again? So I just I can't you know be positive. And again, and then we get the playoffs. To me, it's all about health. It's all about health. That that was our issue again. Youth too. So like I think we still should have beaten the Lakers last year. And I think that. uh you know, we lost the sort of the game that mattered. And LeBron, a great player, made an amazing play. And we did a lot of dumb stuff in that series. And we had one starter who was terrible and decided to be amazing in the FIBA World Cup. But uh, all that What's said, his name? Yeah, he, Dylan Brooks. He who shall he, not he be He might named. come up later. He might come up later. But all that said is Miss I just, him already. So I'm not, again, uh, so I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're going to win the title and all that stuff, because to me, I want to know where we are when we get to the playoffs as far as health. But are we a contender? Yes, we've been a contender for the last three, for the last two years. And I don't see why anything would change in the third year when the West continues to get like just be blah. You know, I mean, Brantley, so. what's uh, what's the next topic you want to move to? Oh, man, you're giving me the floor. This is fun. Um, I think I think this is this ties in to what we just talked about. And Will, I'm going to let you go first. Is that buyer selling that the Grizzlies will tread water the first 25 games with John Morant being out? Yeah, this is an interesting one. We our schedule isn't that bad if you look at it. Um, I think we we have like 15 out of 25 games are teams that you wouldn't necessarily project to make the playoffs if you were just going by like preseason odds. So like. It could be a lot worse um, going in. I think it totally depends on the chemistry between Marcus Smart and the other players and what they've built. Um, I think the uh, assuming Stephen Adams and Desmond Bain come back 100%, um, I don't see why we couldn't have uh, an elite defense with Smart and Jaron both on the floor. Uh, I think it's obviously we have a question at small forward right now, my assumption is that Luke Kennard will will slot in and will man those minutes and then we'll see who who is uh who are what our bench looks like. But overall, I think we actually do have a really strong starting five and uh I think it's enough early in the season again assuming chemistry works with Smart and the rest of the team. Like I really do think we'll we'll look up and be like a couple games over 500. And just because we've built up this uh the system. And I think Jenkins being a veteran coach at this point, honestly, I would consider him that he's got, he knows what he's doing and he's got a system and most of the players on the roster know what it is. And so I'm looking ahead at a probably like 60% win 
win percentage. So when you say a couple games over 500, what seed do you think that that will have us at when Ja comes back? Probably like six. Yeah, six, seven-ish. But I think it's going to be tight. I don't think there – again, I don't think there's a dominant team that I'm looking at and scared of. Like I on our couple podcasts ago, we were talking about the West and who we predicted to be in the t- at the top. And I think Golden State's going to be really good. They have this big Chris Paul question. But I think, again, I think Denver's going to be, like, fine in the regular season, but the hangover's real, and, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't, I'm not scared of in a lot of other teams either. So, Ty, what do you think? No, I agree. I think, I mean, so much was made about our record when Jaw was out and Tyus stepped in, and I think that really, like, the narrative really drove Tyus's value up. I don't think Tyus is as good as what people say – that he is just because much broader conversation, but people in the NBA just don't watch games. They just like look at the win loss record and look at stats and like, Oh my, this must've happened. Um, so I think if you just simply pull jaw out and then you're essentially replacing Marcus smart for Tyus, um, I think smarts a much better player. Um, so I think just like a competent team with a good system, kind of to Will's point, I think that's going to produce wins. Um, I think defense, if anything, can hold steady, and that's definitely not going to be hurting without Jaw there. Uh, our defense should be absolutely phenomenal um, with that kind of new starting lineup that Will just mentioned. Um, I think smart on the perimeter with Jaron just kind of roaming and Steven hopefully being healthy. Yeah, I think we're going to be a few games over 500. I, I agree. That's my prediction. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I guess trading water, I mean – so if if I knew that Steven Adams is going to be fine, which it all signs point to him being ready to go and having a great three point shot, yeah, and having apparently having a great three point shot now, banging threes, just banging from banging the threes, uh, fade fade away jumpers. Uh, if you have if I have that, and then so my one hesitation from just all out by we're going to be like eighteen and seven when Jaw comes back for me is the Marcus Smart Tyus question. And I, I agree with Ty that I think Tyus Jones was a little has been a little overrated. But I also do think that early season having a point guard who knows the system, that that can be a struggle. And so for me, the Marcus Smart just getting into the system, figuring things out, uh, us you, we we tend to the last three years with Jenkins's defensive system start a little slow and then come on stronger as the season progresses defensively. So that's the stuff that has me thinking. Okay, we're probably going to be thirteen and twelve, fourteen and eleven. But if you, but I, I mean honestly, what I want to say, if you tell me that Marcus Smart's kind of okay, is I really do think the narrative is going to be, is the Grizzlies starting five with the two best shooters in the NBA? And the and two of the best defensive players in the NBA that really works well together, I think it's going to be. I think that that starting five that we put out there with Luke Kennard and the normal four starters is going to be one of the best lineups in the NBA in the first twenty five games. And I think the narrative is going to be similar. Of the are the Grizzlies better without Jaw? Do they need Jaw? I very much. I I could very well see that being the narrative. Um, and us, you know, and, and honestly, part of it being the schedule being easier too. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we were like seventeen eight. But I, I, I think just because of the changes, Marcus Smart, I could see it more being thirteen and twelve. I'm, I'm actually a strong buy on this. I, I think we're a great regular season team, and I know losing Tyus is hard, but I also just think that Jaron and Desmond, when healthy, 
without Ja, they know their roles and know how they have to step up in a different capacity. And the thing that actually scares me the most is having a little bit of a slump when Ja comes back and everyone's having to adjust to playing with him. Um, Because I think we'll look – I anticipate us having some of the most fluid-looking basketball that the Grizzlies have had in a long time because we don't have Dylan Brooks out there on the court. (laughs) And so it's going to be really fun. It's going to be good basketball, and we're going to hit a lot of – hit a lot of outside shots that the, the, the Grizzlies aren't used to seeing fall all the time. Um, and, you know, if you've watched any off-season content, Desmond Bain looks great. And I think I think sort of the FIBA fallout with Triple J is going to be extra motivation for him to come out and get off to a really strong potential, you know, DPOY, um, you know, second season in a row type out of the gate. So that's what I think. Ty, what's our next topic? So piggybacking off of the uh, the Jaron Love, which I'm all for. He's he's the best player on our team, by the way. Uh, Desmond Bain. That's a hot take right there. No, nah, let's put, let's just glance over it. Desmond Bain and or Jaron Jackson will be an All Star this season. So both one or the other, at least one of them will be an All Star. Buyer selling craft. I mean, easy the easiest buy in the world. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the question Not is, will all. both of them? Uh, Jaron will for <laughs> sure be an all-star. I don't think that's a question. He is going to, again, be the best defensive player at his position, and the coaches are going to vote him in. Um, so I just I just think he is now a perennial all-star. Uh, that's just going to happen. Uh, I think the question, uh, the fun part is Bain. You know, part of me feels like Bain's going to come out strong, and so it's really going to be a health and our win, like whether we get off to a really good start or not. Because I think, I mean, if I'm Bain, I think he realizes this is probably his best chance of being an all-star uh, without Jaw. Um, and I think, you know, if he if he can't be an all-star this year, he's probably never going to be, unless like the, in the two years from now, Grizzlies are like the two, 2015 Warriors or something, which could happen. But I do think that this is a great chance for Bain. I think he's going to come out looking to score to, to average 25 points or more a game. And so in that sense, I think it could be really good. Uh, for for Bain, so I definitely strong buy for me. The changes that they did to the All NBA structure didn't impact All Star, did they? No, no. in fact, technically, Jaw, uh, even though he doesn't play, he could still be a starter voted in by people. Jaw could still be start the All Star. I don't, don't don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I I don't know. I sort of it wouldn't surprise me if some weird stuff happens and neither of them make it. I, I'm kind of like in a weird sell position here. I think I think the narrative on Jaron is not going to be great I, I, because there's just so many weird national media stuff that is unrightfully accusing him of why we weren't successful in this FIBA tournament, and I think it's going to carry over. And unless if he's just absolutely more dominant than what he was last time and there's an inkling of foul trouble issues, I think it's going to impact the story around him. And Bain's just in a really competitive position and I think it could be difficult for him to shine out, particularly on the fan voting side. So I would sell this one. You're, you're probably correct, and I assume you, I, I, I lack. I don't assume idiocy, but I probably should at this point from the national media and coaches. But whatever. You also have just some weird guard narrative deals going on, like Jamal Murray never being an All Star. That's going to hurt. There's only just a li- there's a limited number of spots when you're looking at position positional 
uh, voting and things like that. So, and also I could see it being the case where let's just say the Grizzlies do stumble out of the gate and start below 500. We all know that the first week of the season, you decide everything you think based on two games that happened the first week of the season, and then that's what you anchor every opinion you have, and that's what everybody does. And so that's just going to be like the narrative. We've said it before throughout the season. So if the Grizzlies, let's say, start 0-3, like just wait. Um, it's going to be all negative. But then also I think it's going to be a very, very much like a team-oriented first half of the season. And it's going to be one of those beautiful scenarios, which I prefer, where it's just the team is really good and they might not have like one player who's a surefire like shoe in for all star. Um, But it'd be fun for Bain to make it like I think that is what the campaign should be this year. Like I'd love for him to take on like more of a leadership role going into the season. And I'd love for that to manifest itself in like a higher scoring average, um, you know, maybe guarding the best guard on or I mean smart's going to do that but just like having a really strong defensive season as well and prove himself out to be um I mean I've even heard buzz about he would be like a really good complimentary guy on next summer's Olympic team when you have like you know the big guns going over like he's the perfect type of role player for that so it'd be really fun if this was a season we remembered because of Desmond Bain's like true breakout and that's what I'm hoping what do you think Ty? Uh, I'm going to sell it because, yeah, I just... The odds are on the field, let's be honest. That's like it's, very that's true. That's a very limited just, number of spots. Yeah, so. uh, I think the narrative around Jaron is already negative, and if we've learned anything about NBA fandom, it's narrative drives everything, whether it's right or wrong. It's just like whatever people say is true, whether it's actually true or not, but the the narrative machine is very strong. Once the wheels start, it's hard to stop them. Um, and yeah, too, I think Brantley mentioned this point about Bain's position just being like really tough in the West, uh, with the guard spot. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to sell that one. All right, Kraft. Next topic. Next topic. Um, y'all depressed me with the reality checks y'all are giving about the stupid media. Uh, so um, You're the I, one that keeps us informed on the stupid <laughs> media. That is true. I guess I should know better since I'm sending y'all 35 texts. Tell us texts everything about, they're saying and how the terrible they are. Ever it's like every time I wake, look up out of a meeting, I've got 15 texts from Kraft about how terrible the media can is. Can just one media person actually say the truth, which is Jaron this podcast. The second That's best what we're FIBA World for. Cup ever uh, uh, of all the rest of the players, and yet for some reason he was blamed for it when he was the second best player on the team. Anyway, uh, so the next question, and I'm definitely going to uh, Will first with this one. Uh, Zaire Williams, David Roddy, and Jake LaRavia are are three favorite uh, players to uh, hope maybe one day will fill that small forward role. Uh, Will they all be on the roster at this time next season? Yeah, by yourself. Um, I'm going to sell this one, Kraft. I know it's going to shock everyone. Um, if you've listened to the podcast at all in the last few months, you know that I'm not the biggest Zaire Williams fan. Um, I know he's young. I know he's, you know, he's he's a grown boy. Um, he's like six ten now, I'm sure. Um, but I don't love knee tendonitis at this age. Uh, I don't think it's a good sign for. I a, had it, and I'm look at me a long career. <laughs> look at you, Ty. Uh, Was that in fifth grade when you hit puberty? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. The other part of this is also from a business side. 
if you look at the Grizzlies offseason, you'll notice there was not a lot that happened apart from this one trade. Um, we even, you know, let Dylan Brooks walk. And uh, technically it was a trade. We got a little trade exception for it. But there was not a whole lot of turnover in our roster. And I think a function of drafting a lot of players is that you have, you know, these great rookie deals that they're all on. And, you know, as you're building a contender, obviously you want to consolidate those, those key assets into maybe a better player down the line. But right now, we're looking at three players who all play a very similar position. And the truth of the matter is, after this season, you still have two more years at a very cheap deal on both Jake Laravia and David Roddy. You only have one more year with Zaire Williams after this if we decide to pick up his option. That means he's also extension eligible, which means you have to start negotiating. His agent's going to be calling you all year. Talking, you know, if he has one good game, the agent's going to be on the phone with Zach Kleiman. So I'm just saying it might not make sense from just a pure business perspective to keep Zaire long term. And so what do you do? And especially if Roddy and Laravia start to play well, like that makes the decision a lot easier. Uh, and if Zaire's injured too, what I could see happening is for us to actually deal Zaire at some point in the season, maybe even add, you know, like a Conchar or someone else to try and get like one more rotation piece like I would I would compare this to what the Denver Nuggets did with Contavious Caldwell Pope last year who was like a he's just a three and D uh, starter on the wing who had a very specific role played it really well and was arguably one of the keys to their championship run and I just could see the Grizzlies being in that mode especially if we start strong I think Zaire's the obvious because he has the highest salary amongst all of those rookies as well, or the guys on their rookie deal as well, almost $10 million. So, I mean, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know what we're waiting on. Like, I think we just start to build without Zaire and and cut our losses. The more interesting question of this one would be, will more than two of these people be on our roster at the end of this season? Another fair I question. Which I still sell. I don't I, – I see us working at least two of these guys into some sort of deals – if the team thinks that we legitimately want to go further in the playoffs next year, I mean, honestly, probably all three of these guys shouldn't be getting minutes if we're serious. So you got to get rid of two of them and add somebody else to actually help you in a playoff moment. Um, so, yeah, I don't even know if there's much else to talk about this one. So, you, are you, wait, no, Kraft, you're looking at me like you're going to buy this one. I don't know. About Surely that. I want to hear from Ty first. Uh, I'm going to sell it too. Um, it's kind of like, un like unfeasible right now to have three of them on the roster next year to me. Uh, I think you pick the best two and move along or whichever one can give you the most value in a trade. You kind of ship them out. They all play such similar positions, especially if you look at this year, like smart's going to play a lot of the three canards going to be involved at the three a lot. Um, it's just like that three, that two, three spot. Once jaw gets back, it's going to be really crunched. Um, like there's a good chance that one of them just never plays, um, like zero minutes if everyone's healthy. Um, and maybe that can direct us to kind of who gets, who gets shipped out. Um, I think at least one of them's gone. So I'm going to, I'm going to sell it. Um, I'm pro. I mean, I'll, I'll probably, I probably agree with y'all and not sell it too, but 
Uh, yeah. Found one. Yes. But, but you I, can still make it seem positive. Yes, but I, so for me, I, I, our, I, our front office has not traded away one of their picks yet, like one of their guys that they believed in. And so part of me wants to say, I don't know. And we also seem to do weird things that's counter uh, to the rest of the league. Um, and I would say, obviously, if it's of, of those three, I very much would throw it in Zaire, both because of the, what Will said about salary. I also think there are teams that kind of believe in the second draft concept, which is just when a, t- a player like that who's a top 10 type drafted talent didn't perform well, put them in a new environment, give them a new system, give them a second chance, and they could end up being really good. And so I, I think that our, we'd probably get the best value from him. And so... So I would be surprised for Zaire. But to me, it's like a win-win scenario because I think if he doesn't play well this year, we're going to trade him and get something good. But if he does play well, then maybe he's a legitimate piece. So we'll see. I'm just glad we're not playing any rookies next year. Agreed. All right. Um, let's do one more quick round. We'll make it more of a lightning round, except for maybe one of these topics, which we'll st- I'll start with, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Um, all right. This one uh, – not to be a downer here, but buy or sell, will the Memphis Grizzlies be in Memphis in 2030? So if you, did, if you didn't know, there's an ongoing situation right now where the, uh, the state has granted the city of Memphis $350 million in cold hard cash that have to be directed towards renovating their stadiums. And they're, in my opinion, the flaw from the start was lumping FedEx Forum in with the rest of the stadiums uh, in Memphis. And basically, the, uh, the city had a proposal recently that was leaked to the press. And essentially, the Grizzlies weren't getting nearly enough of what they had proposed they would need to fully renovate FedEx Forum, which is 25 years old. And um, there's a lot going to the Simmons Bank Stadium, uh, which is the Liberty Bowl. And uh, also a part of this proposal is that the Grizzlies would basically increase, they would provide funding by increasing the tax that they charge on things like jerseys from the team store or food or restaurants around the forum, just things like that. So basically, and there's being asked to chip in a lot more um, in terms of cash as well, like $50 million or something like that, maybe between 25 and 50 So that's, of course, there's a lease right now running through 2029. This whole stadium issue has really been, has really been depressing, I would say, this offseason because there's just not enough for both to happen. And you've just seen Oklahoma City that passed an $850 million renovation. The city was absolutely celebrating it happening, and we're, you know... It's just kind of, I mean, there's a lot of arguments, of course, around, you know, government, how money should be distributed. This is particularly bookmarked for this one thing, so it's not like it can be allocated anywhere else. So this is what we, where we are with it. But it's caused people to question, should we have been a lot more proactive and uh, more, I guess you could say, intentional about uh, making sure that the Grizzlies had secured their funding first and then kind of worried about the rest of the athletics in the city of Memphis. Um, I personally think, with all that said, it's going to get worked out. I do believe that. I, 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 it's just one of those things where I feel like we're playing with fire here, 
because it's no secret that the franchise would be worth a lot more in a bigger city. And that's just, I would, I think that Memphis losing the institution that is the Grizzlies would be devastating. And I don't think they're going to let it happen, but I just, I just don't like playing with fire. So I'm going to sell, or excuse me, I'm going to buy that the Grizzlies are going to be here in 2030. Um, but I just wanted to at least open up the topic because it really is the topic of the day. If you read the news and you open it up, that's what people are, are, are talking about right now. Craft, you got anything? Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, I'll say, I mean, I, I'm buying that the Grizzlies will be here in 2030. The fact that it's not that I am more confident that the Grizzlies are going to be awesome this season than I am that the Grizzlies will be here in 2030 is frustrating though. Uh, the fact that this isn't like a, the hundred most, the easiest buy of the night is annoying to me. Um, because I do, like you said, I think it will get worked out. I think, um, I think ultimately, uh, the, this mayor and the next mayor will realize how important it is. I think fortunately we have, I think, I mean, what's seeming to be, uh, looking like one of the best owners in sports who is both very wealthy, much wealthier, much wealthier than many other owners, but also I think has a good attitude about it and are not playing dirty compared to the University of Memphis in this. And I don't know where our crowd is on on this subject, but it's it's one of the most frustrating things for me. And this is somebody who grew up loving University of Memphis uh, uh, and we loving. Just got things. asked to leave. No. So. <laughs> No, uh, but no, but anyway, we will have a Q and a later. Yeah, we have so. a Q and a later, but anyway, but I just, first I, off, I mean, how I'm, dare you? <laughs> I'm no, yeah. So all that said is, uh, um, uh, I mean, I say that is I have my, I have very close family members who are, who are employees of the university of Memphis. So, um, but I just, I think that it's, uh, I just, I want, I wish that we had much more of an understanding of just how much more important FedEx forum is, uh, as for our city, than the Liberty Bowl. Um, in Not the to si- mention Memphis yeah. basketball plays. Yeah, in the FedEx Memphis Forum. basketball plays so. in FedEx Forum. Concerts come to FedEx Forum. There are actually businesses around FedEx Forum, unlike the fairgrounds, the Liberty Bowl. Um, I fully believe that uh, a new, nicer stadium for the Liberty Bowl will not increase attendance in any way compared to. Uh, the quality of the product that's put out there and the quality of the opponent. That is what matters for attendance. If we still had a broken down Liberty bowl, I mean, which actually I think Liberty bowl is better than people want to say it is. If right now with the Liberty bowl we had, if we were in the big 12, the attendance would be great. Uh, you know, and so I don't, anyway, just, I don't see, I just, I think it's a total waste of money putting that amount of money into Liberty bowl anyway. Um, and so it's a frustrating thing for me. And oh, the Memphian in me is the only reason why I'm not 100% buying this, that I have a little bit of nerves. So that's it. Any takes over there? No. What's our next topic? You guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pass. Uh, this is the last suspension related to off-court behavior that John Morant will serve in his Grizzlies career. Does, does he go down or does he go up? Uh, I asked a friend of the pod, Andrew Davis, in this exact question earlier before we started, and he was buying it. He thinks that this is it. He thinks that the quote-unquote rebirth movement is official and strong. And if Andrew Davison believes that, then I believe that too. So I'm going to say this is it for Ja, off-court issues. This is it. This is his last suspension ever. I mean, I don't know. I, 
I'd probably you just, wrote this question. I did. <laughs> I don't know. And I've you been thinking about, about it all this. day because I don't know. Have I truly you been depressed? Don't know all of these say. questions are like really sad. Yeah, you're right. You know what? If Andrew said it, I'm also buying. What are you talking about? Yeah. These questions aren't all sad. Y'all are sad for not thinking that we're obviously contenders this year. <laughs> no, I'll buy. Okay, so I think the other. Some of us are realists. There, I think the other part of this whole thing is if something really does happen off court to the same level, let's just say it's worse. Like, we're talking about more than a suspension, I think, at that point, which is crazy to say, but just how things are have been going for Ja. Like, we're ta- I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, I don't know how much. Like, 25 games relative to – I mean, we went through it when it came Minimum. Down. Like Key. Minimum 25. Minim- minimum 25. Like, you look at the history of suspensions in the NBA – and there's only, I think, a handful. I think there was eight that we counted that were more than 25 games. And we've even had arguments about, I mean, obviously what he did wasn't great, but, like, there's been some very, like, terrible things people have been suspended for um, that were more, so and less, too. So, anyway, I, I, I'll buy it because... Let's it, go, baby. If something happens again, like, we're at that point, we're... Not only will the Grizz be here in 2030, but that's when the party on Beal is going to happen. Absolutely. Parade in Summer City, yeah. I'm going to be, I'll be the realist here. I'm selling. I think he'll do something crazy. There it is. But when we need that, the the hope is that one, he's such a big star, uh, an entity to the NBA at that point, that they won't be weirdos and give him 25 games for not really doing anything that wrong. Yeah. and so they realized that they were over aggressive in this punishment um, because they were trying to send some kind of message and it'll be like a 10 to 15. But I don't know. I think Jaws who he is and I just think something will happen, but I think it won't be the hope for me is that it's something like a 10 to 15 game somewhere down the road, three, four years or something. But um, so, so I think he will get suspended for off court stuff again. I just, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it'll be something that'll be like a year suspension or something. Yeah, I'm selling this too. I mean, it's going to happen again. This is who he is. And yeah. I think hopefully I'm like Kraft. I'm, let's just hope that it's not a big thing. But this is, I don't know. I think it's just what he's going to do. Yeah. Hopefully Adam Silver will wake up and become David Stern and like with Michael Jordan, just look the other way with stuff. Yeah. So. And if he just controlled, if he just controlled, controlled some of the social pieces of things, then it, he could maybe get minor suspensions versus large ones if he just would control you know, that side of his game a little bit better. And the Kevin Porter thing will be really interesting because now that that has come out, that he physically beat his girlfriend and sent her to the hospital with, like, broken bones, now everyone is referencing Jaw held potentially a fake gun and he got 25. What's going to happen to this guy? I think now, like, Jaw's suspension has become the watermark, and I think it's going to be really interesting moving forward what guys get for certain things because I think now the the you know the goalposts have moved potentially in suspensions. So if you're going to suspend someone just because of like a poor image that they put on, like the league and that individual self, what's going to happen when uh, like a law is truly broken, right? Like what's going to happen then? Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting discussion moving discussion moving forward. Can I move us into something about the broader NBA really quickly? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think because I'm I uh, am optimistic about both of these. I think last year, you know, just we were talking about this before the pod. If you remember, the NBA implemented a new rule last year about the take foul take foul, 
um, to hopefully eliminate, um, you know, bad fouls during fast breaks, essentially. And I think it did help the game a lot. I think we saw more fast breaks, and it was a more fluid game. And this year, the NBA has implemented some more rules on flopping, more rules on player participation, and more rules around sort of the swiping um, mechanism that happens with, with guards, all in an effort, I think, to continue to improve the game. And I'm just going to go ahead and buy that these rules are going to make the game better. I, I, I think that there, have, there still is opportunity, to, from what I can tell, to improve maybe the strictness of some of these rules, but it's a move in the right direction. The flopping stuff needed to change, and it needed to be addressed. And I think there's a little bit more accountability. The refs are going to have a little bit more accountability as well as enforcement to be able to help make these things better. So is it going to be perfect? No, but I do think it's a continued move in the right direction to where it's going to be awareness of it, to where hopefully in a year or two we won't have to continue watching folks like uh, Lowry just flop. Shout out my boy, yeah. Austin Reeves. And Austin Reeves. You know, he may not have a job in the NBA anymore because he can't flop anymore. The worst of all time. Okay. Yeah. One of my favorite details about this rule, though, too, is they are – the refs are able to wait until a play develops and finishes before they have to call the the flop. So, like, if a flop happens in the, in the middle of a play but someone's driving – It's they like can, a technical foul. Yeah, it's a yeah. Te- it's a it's a technical foul that doesn't necessarily count towards like an ejection. So it's, if they get a second one, they're not ejected, but it's still a, a free throw in the ball. And so you can still it's not going to interrupt the flow of the game. Their point is to try and just take away all the stuff that isn't basketball, which I'm always a fan of. Yeah, my I mean honestly, the only negative thing about this to me is that we that we now have a player on our team who likes uh, to sometimes have those kind of flopping antics and Marcus Smart. And so I do I am I'm I'll be interested to see how that works uh, with him because that is part of his game has been. And so the Grizzlies might be affected negatively by that. But I think overall, I'm very happy with all this stuff. All right. uh, Last one. The Grizzlies won't miss Dylan Brooks. Buy or sell. Strong, 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 strong buy. (laughs) Strong buy. We will not miss him. Me as a Grizzly and the team Grizzlies will not miss him. The collective we. The collective Grizzly. No missing. What do you think, Kraft? I'm a a slight. You are hesitating? (laughs) Yes, I am hesitating. I'm a slight. I'm a slight buy. I'm a slight buy. I mean, I will continue to say that, uh, I mean, he played really well for us a lot. He's on second team all defense. I think that we're going to be better without him. Um, but I do think there will be times potentially when we might miss his edge for certain games where we come out soft. So I, so in that sense, I do think I, will the, I think the thought will go through my head at some point like – Questioning whether no want to have no there's back. no way there's no way you're gonna watch a game and say man I wish we had Dylan Brooks on the <laughs> court there's no <laughs> way more, hey I'm trying to I'm trying more to editing work for me I'm trying to be true to myself uh, edit at fifty two minutes think, twenty eight seconds so I don't know I watching him on the FIBA World Cup there was a little bit of a. There's a little no. bit of nostalgia there Kraft, for me. I'm, I'm out on this there's one too. No way. 
There's I'm just hey, if I'm, we had not, I'm trying to be honest here. This if is we had honest, not these are my confessions. If we had not backfilled Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart, I would be worried about the defense too. But we've got one of the best perimeter defenders to replace Dylan Brooks, and he, yes, he's not like he's not an incredible shooter either. But you can't be as bad as DB, and I know oh, he's, he, a good, he's a way better playmaker. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't Desmond hold the ball. Bain. I'm just excited to not have the question of is this going to be a bad Dylan or a really bad Dylan this game. So anyway, tiny. Any final thoughts? Or in the playoffs where he's always bad, hundred percent. You you do the entire year no, for I the mean, playoffs. This, this will discuss. And you. then he's awful when he comes back as the Rockets in November. I'm telling you, they're going to show a video, and I'm going to get a little teary, and you're going to be so mad at me. And that's going to happen. <laughs> if we show a video for Dylan Brooks, shame will. on oh, we will. our marketing will. team. It will 100% happen. That's yes. just videos happen for everybody these days. It's going to be all highlights of the Jazz series. He's getting a platinum vinyl up yeah. there. With it's going to be what are his highlights? It's going to be him and Draymond, you know, yeah. buttonheads. Dumbest it's going to be the Jazz. It's going to be the Jazz series. It is. The thing that the, two good the thing that people like me held on to for the last one. three years, <laughs> it's gonna be the Jazz series. All right, well that's the end Wait, of. We this didn't get to hear Ty's take. Oh yeah, Ty, buy or <laughs> sell. Enough was said. Uh, I'm gonna say we won't miss him. Yeah, I don't think Thanks so. Thanks for either. that take. That's great. A little less talking out here on the island. A little less talking too from the locker room, which will be refreshing. That that I will not miss that. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have sort of like a a group prompt. Y'all don't have to participate if you don't want to, but we're also opening up Q&A too. So if you have a question or you have an opinion on this prompt, but the last thing we're going to discuss is if you were commissioner almighty, you could do whatever you wanted to do. You could implement one thing in the NBA. You have the full power to do so. What's one thing that you would change? Go ahead, Ty. So easy. Just, you know, legalize gun ownership. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, Second Amendment, you know, the grizzly specific just, take. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one primarily. I heard someone say, "You can love guns, you can love Instagram Live, you can't love them both," and that's what would solve all these problems. Um, I would say, if I were commissioner, um, I think I would shorten the season. I mean, it's kind of a low hanging fruit one. So you wouldn't add an in season tournament to just. <laughs> So add more if to you what's going on. If you didn't know, the NBA has implemented what they call the PPP. It's not a loan; it's a policy, the player participation policy. And basically, if you were an All NBA player or an All Star in the last three years, and you have like basically the NBA is requiring you to have one of these players if they're on your roster, they have to be playing at least one. Um, and they did that in large part because they're negotiating for a TV deal. That's going to be signed in the next 12 months. And I think that the broadcast partners were like, why are we showing, why are we paying billions of dollars for this product when your stars don't even play because they're resting? Well, let's be honest. A lot of the reason why they're resting is because 82 games, it's a very long season. And they're also prep, prepping for the playoffs and they're not wanting to compromise their guys. And so I think it's really easy. I think you just make the season about 58 games. You have two games a week. You have them on the same nights. Similar. I mean, why is football so successful? It's because everybody knows what they're doing on Saturday and Sunday. And we're sitting here on a Thursday, and it's the game of the week. And everybody's watching it. And I think the NBA could benefit from that. The players would play pr- 
probably every game at that point because they matter so much more. So whittle it down to where you play each team twice, call it a season. I think it's fifty comes out to 58 games. So that's exactly what I would do. And, yes, they're going to say they wouldn't do it because of the money. I would argue the games all of a sudden become a lot more valuable. You can raise season tickets a bit. TV is probably going to be pretty similar. Uh, and your players, you can guarantee that they're going to be playing a lot more unless they're super injured. So, yeah. I mean, spoken like a guy who's thought about this. Yeah, a little bit. You have any ideas? Yeah, I mean, I think that the short season, I'm, I tend to be – Old school, and that I like that he too. I like I just like basketball, and so make I it a hundred. I would want less of it. I mean, I, I'm more of the because I'm a soccer person too. I I tend to be like a. I love the resting. I like seeing the scrubs play. I think the star stuff's overrated. Um, I, although I'm a weirdo, I know. Uh, but I do think that that like part of it, especially since they're going to expand the next few years, I think an easy would be, you know, 62 games, play everybody once, and then maybe in your division add six more games, play everybody in your division a couple more times and make 68. Maybe that's an easier sell uh, from 82 to 68. But but my big thing, uh, if I was, I would, I mean, part of it is like kind of sort of being David Sternish, but uh, the big thing for me would be media narrative, narratives about the NBA. And I guess you can't really totally control that, but you can, you can call up people on the phone like David Stern used to do and yell at people and stuff. Uh, but for the biggest thing that you can control is I just, I'm continuing to be frustrated with NBA TV. If you watch, uh, the MLB network or the NFL network, it's just like top notch production, really good programs, like just very watchable as someone who doesn't even really love football and baseball in the same way that I love basketball. I just enjoy how they're run in the production uh, on those networks. And I just think NBA TV just is not the same kind of product. We, the NBA doesn't have like an NFL films type of product. So I would just love for the NBA to really up that care about the narratives, find announcers who are not players who are who just want to like slam the, the the modern game and go back to the good old days but people who think the game today is the best and love that and like like a dick vital type personality people who are just really excited about regular season basketball and playoff basketball want to talk about it all the time and just really push that sort of agenda i also obviously push the team over star agenda i think that's been that the, while that's like off that's offered the players a lot more money and a lot of advertising compared to football. I just think the fact that people, you know, people have like quarterbacks and stuff in the NFL, but it's a team sport. It's the team, the, the helmets, the clothing matters more than the stars. And I just think I wish the NBA was more that way because then you can sell and then you're not worried about players getting injured because they care about the, the franchises and the teams. So that's what I would do. That, that would be my main one. Any ideas, Brantley? I've not thought about this. <laughs> uh, except I do think the NBA has a, a news and media problem in general. It's not not just necessarily narratives. I just think that it is talked about uh, very differently. And I do think that the sort of pl player empowerment stuff is really catching up to the NBA. And if it's not fixed soon, it's gonna impact the product more than it's already impacted it and so i don't have a solution but i just think that that's the problem that i would be addressing if i were the commissioner i mean nobody's saying yeah i mean nobody's saying oh where's patrick mahomes gonna go in two years to get out of small market kansas city when his contract's up to go play with like 
you know, obviously I know he just signed a huge long contract, but I'm just saying nobody's, those conversations aren't happening. You know, Aaron Rodgers would have gone to the New York Jets seven years ago because he was playing for small market Green Bay. And it's just frustrating because right now all the dialogue is Giannis saying he might leave and, oh, these people are Joe saying Joe Embiid might, might leave. Might Anthony leave. Edwards should Anthony leave Anthony Edwards Minnesota. should leave Minnesota. And it's just, it's so frustrating because, and it's frustrating to me because the Grizzlies who are doing it right drafting building this team up the narrative of slowly gaining experience taking their wounds like that's that's the nba i grew up in the 80s and 90s that was awesome and i just wish we had more of that yeah and honestly and i think that basketball just has a problem in general uh it's not just the nba i mean it starts with a u culture i mean this is we're not the first people to talk about this but if as a commissioner you would you would go down and start trying to influence where how you know, high school kids play and how that that monetization occurs. And I do think that they are trying to influence it, right, with the G League a little bit. Um, but just that sort of, um, you know, constant fluidity is just part of the problem. And that's just the expectation that a lot of top-tier talent comes into the league thinking that they can behave that way. And so if they set an expectation – um, and even, you know, tried to influence how the game is played. And it's not just an old-school take as much as it's just like it's just basketball is better with, with chemistry um, and, and playing with folks over time. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's sad to me that the 2014 Spurs and the 2015 Warriors, and I guess the Warriors do because of a little bit of more star power, but those are the teams that should be celebrated. Homegrown teams, almost all drafted by the team, uh, play beautiful basketball, pass the ball around. Um, and I just like, and for whatever reason, they're not celebrating the same way as like the sort of like, where are the stars going to, is there a big three that's never been successful except for once. So. Awesome. Uh, all right. If anybody has any questions or ideas, we have an open mic, no pressure, not everyone at once for the audience. Yeah. For the, for the audience listening worldwide. My question for you guys is. Uh, at the end of the season, assuming we're in the playoffs and assuming that there's either eight or nine guys that are going to play consistently in the playoffs, who are your first eight and who's your one al alternate? I'll, I'll quickly go since everybody else is thinking. Um, great. For me, for me phenomenal it question, though. Yes, that is a great, great question. Uh, I would say. Um, uh, so our what is assumed to be our starting five when Jaw comes back. So Jaw, Bain, Marcus Smart, Steven Adams, Jaron. And then I think uh, after that, I think um, for sure, um, uh, well, part of it is, is going to see, I think it's going to be Brandon Clark or it's going to be somebody that we're going to be trading away some guys for uh, as one of the players. I think um, Kennard is definitely going to be on there. Uh, so that's seven. And honestly, if I had to guess right now, I would say probably Santi Aldama. Um, or or Tillman, depending on the matchup, maybe. So, But Tillman might be in that trade to get somebody to upgrade for Brandon Clark because he's not totally back from the rupture. I think Santi is the one that we haven't discussed yet that needs to be discussed, and this is a perfect way to do it because he had a great summer playing for Spain. I think that he's developed his game so well. He is an inch. It's an interesting fit, in in the sense that you can't really start him next to Jaron long term. 
Uh, so he can't, I mean, he's probably like the one guy that you can't necessarily play with Jaron. And also I'm wondering like, can he play the wing? Can he play the three? I think he's flexible in terms of like, he can shoot a little bit, but yeah, I would say the five that we named with Ja, I would say Luke Kennard as the six man off the bench, Santi Aldama. And then that last spot, I would say between, uh, defensively, do we need, uh, a Tillman who can come in and basically like be the Anthony Davis type defensive player um or like guarding anthony davis that is and then also yeah or is it is it a guy like roddy who breaks out this season and uh shows that he can play on the wing and has a little bit more size in the playoffs a little bit more rugged and can spot up in the corner so it's a great question i think it's probably that last spot is between like a tillman and a roddy and who knows if we trade for somebody that's a good call too yeah I, i would hope that the eighth spot is unknown but Jenkins loves him some Roddy. And unless if we trade Roddy, he'll be the eighth person, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think for me the big interesting is going to be the small ball five. That we At some point in the playoffs, we're going to play a team where we don't want Steven Adams in and we want to go small. And so that's the real question is going to be who is that player? Is, is Can Brandon Clark, is he back enough to do that? Is it Roddy? Is it Aldama? Is it even Luke Kennard and we play like four – Guards. He's a great rebounder. Yeah, he that, is. That he is underrated. Underrated rebounder. Uh, the Brandon so, Clark question is an interesting one. Yeah. I didn't put him in my eight. Like the Achilles injuries, historically not been easy to come back from. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how I, he's such an athletic player that you got to think he needs to be 100% to be super effective. So I wouldn't put him right now, but anyway. Any others? All right. How you doing? I'm Jonathan, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> I really have, yeah. Um, first of all, I'm a little disappointed that you have not heralded the Derrick Rose era of the Grizzlies. Maybe well, there's a reason earlier. for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you had the excellent opening of Zaire Williams' knee injury, and now we have Derrick Rose, so we're going to have two at the end of the bench. That's right. <laughs> I'm That's just saying. I'm Perfect. I'm just curious, um, given all your, your knowledge in basketball, who will play more games this season? John Morant, Zion Williamson, or LeBron James? Wow. That's a good question. Um, oh, golly. Man, that is a good well. Thing. So, this whole player participation thing. My initial thought was LeBron could affect honestly. LeBron, like, yeah. but he could have a floor of games that he's like, yeah. So Anthony Davis is the other player on that team that is considered to be in this new policy. Anthony Davis isn't exactly the most durable guy, um, so you might have a situation where LeBron is probably playing a bit more than he's used to. Um, but he's watching his mileage. I mean, he's he's getting up there, um, still playing well. Zion will never be one that I bet on to play uh, big minutes in big games. Like, he's just not proven that he can be stay on the floor. Um, the job, of course, is the wild card here. 25 is just a lot. Um, I'm going to... I mean, I'm shocking myself right now by saying LeBron. Like, I, I really do think That's what I was they, say the too. Lakers think, too, that they're contenders right now. We'll see if they Absolutely. actually are. And I think it's going to have to require LeBron to play probably a little bit more 
thinking in the back of his mind, this truly might be my last shot because next year, Bronny, assuming Bronny is on a team, LeBron's going to leave to go wherever Bronny is. And who knows if that's going to be a contender. I think this is like LeBron's potential last dance type season. So, yeah. It's cute. I also, I also think LeBron has perfected the art of he's playing, but is he really playing hard? Like he's he has perfected the the being able to play thirty eight to forty minutes a, a night when he's really playing about fifteen minutes of those thirty eight to forty. I mean, which is still a great fifteen minutes. But I mean, he he's coasting. He, he coasts and he like and so he's kind of he's he sort of made the for the new PPP system of like he'll get out there, he'll do his minutes, he'll have his two or three amazing plays that that help the ticket buyers feel like they came and got their money's worth, but. He's, you know, the LeBron of like 2012, 2013, like he's not, not just for age, but I'm just saying he's just not even trying to be that uh, even uh, because he's coasting and he's going to pick his, his spots. So I feel like that he's the easier bet. So I would probably similar to Will go with Jaw second because I just can't until I'm, I, that's why I'm, you know, same reason why I think I'm high on the Grizzlies. I go with past results, predict future, like until Zion actually plays, a season, I'm going to keep predicting him to not play many games. Was this just a regular season question or the entire season just regular season? Okay. Because I was like, if, if you bet on the Grizzlies to go further than the Lakers, then John might catch LeBron. That's five, just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of games. It's a lot. I agree. LeBron? What about you, John? Chalk. All right. Any others? Got one right here? All right, y'all, great job tonight. Enjoyed it all. Fired up for the season. Uh, my name is at TigerCR239. I think we had a question yes. from you last year. I was, the guy, I was the guy that asked last year if we thought maybe there was some secret to Dylan Brooks uh, and his effect on the team. Is it positive maybe that we don't see it? Um, I think the Rockets know that there is something to that. So you would argue that there, there was. I'll just ask the questions here. I'll let y'all answer them. <laughs> Um, just tweeting, just tweeting it out. So yes, you can at me, yeah. Tigers CR two three nine. My question tonight: I'm gonna go a little big picture tonight. I've got this question for y'all. I'm gonna leave it to the panel, leave it to the to y'all, the experts. Uh, I don't know if it's too soon to be asking this question, but we've all thought about this: Are the Grizzlies in their current configuration, the current three stars that we have, current coach, are the Grizzlies? Not maybe this year, but in the future, or this year, maybe the next two or three years. Pretenders or contenders for an actual NBA title? The question being, can, this, can we keep this together and actually go the distance, or will a major move have to be made, either with one of the three core stars or the coach, to make it happen? Somebody's been watching some first take. This At is a- Tigers CR239. <laughs> At me up. This is a takey question. Hey, I, with the Tigers, I just want to put on the record that I have a higher expect. I've, I've, I'm feeling better about Derrick Rose's actual on the court play than uh, than the rest of the people on here. But that's that's for another time. So let's get back to the really awesome question. What do you think, Ty? You look like you're thinking thinking hard over there. Uh, I mean, I think it depends on like again back what I was saying earlier. I think it depends on what Jai is. If Jaws a dude, then I think we got all we need. Um, 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So the question somewhat was somewhat revised question. Yeah. Do we have a guy? Do we have dudes in the playoffs that can produce? Um, I mean, that's that's hard to say, but if you look at the age, I think Jaw just turned 24, or Jaron did, and Jaw's about to. Um, Bain is 25, so our three best players are all under the 25 or younger. Um, if you you know pan around the NBA landscape and find three better under 25 guys on the same team, I don't think you can. Um, I also don't think you can find uh, the narrative again. The narrative on Jaws flipped so much. Like the, what he's done. As a 21-year-old when he first came in the league, 22-year-old guy in the playoffs his first year, 23-year-old going toe-to-toe with Steph in game one, game two, before he tweaked his knee. I think he put up like 40-some of the points in game two against the Warriors to win that game. Unguardable, essentially. I mean, I think if you look at that, again, remove the narrative of like maybe the off-court stuff. If you just look at like him, he projects as a dude. Absolutely. If you look at stuff like Giannis, you would call Giannis a dude. He wasn't doing this at this age. Jokic wasn't doing this. You know what? Steph wasn't doing it either. One of my favorite stats about Steph, he didn't make an all-star game until he was 25. That's just an all-star game. Not only was he in the playoffs really competing for titles, right? Like, he literally wasn't an all-star until he was 25. Ja just turned 24. So, I think if you project forward, like, you would have to say that this team, I mean, if you trust in the front office, which they've been really good, I think you would have to say that we got we we have enough right now. If this core, those three guys continue to grow, I think it's I think I think you have to say that we got enough. I don't think we need to do anything with those three. If those three are Grizzlies for the next eight years, I think we'll have a really good shot at a title. I think we have a shot, but us winning as Ja being our number one would really defy the history of the NBA. And what I mean by that is that Steph is really the only true number one player of his size that's won titles. Um, you AI got to the finals once. You think about all players that win championships, they're not Ja's size. Now, is it possible that he could defy – modern NBA history in the majority sure uh he does stuff that no one's ever done I just think that it's that that in and of itself means we need a diff we really need a different type of co-star next to him and so I would say no to that I think that it's likely at some point going to have to be upgrading the Bane position to a bigger body type, in my opinion. Uh, I'm I'm on record. I don't even know if I'm record. Uh, I'm not on record on the podcast, but I'm record with some of my friends I'm pretty sure around you the are. country. Uh, uh, I've said I've said any less one title is a disappointment for me with this team. Uh, I'm I'm my question is not are we the Spurs which stay together for a while and win titles from, you know, like just are contenders for a really long time and win a title every few years, or are we Bulls, Warriors? I lean more towards Bulls, Warriors, honestly. Uh, I mean, and everybody says I'm crazy. We have – this is what the Thunder – we're what the Thunder would have been if they hadn't traded away Harden. We have three players 
who are going to be, I think, two who are going to be top ten in the NBA and Jaron and Jaw in two, three years. And I think Bain, uh, like I will say, Bain is a little more of the question mark just because of size and fit, but I think he's going to be a top 20, top 25 player. I think we're we're a – we're the same kind of version as the Warriors, just with slightly different things, uh, you know, as far as Steph, Clay, Draymond. We kind of have a similar feel, but it's slightly different uh, for various reasons. Um, but, I mean, I – yeah, I think we're just – we we the fact that we were contenders two years ago and how good we were as young as we were. I mean, I don't think anybody grasps that the peak NBA is 27 to 30. And we are so far of kind of what Ty was saying – and it's just like – and, like, the teams that everybody's loving right now, like the, the Lakers, the Suns, the Warriors, they're all 35 and older. Like, and you realize the this level of sustained excellence they've had. Our, like, that's 10 years from our core that if we can keep those three guys together. So I, I'm highly – I just think, uh, you know, this is why I'm so positive. I just – like, we just hit the jackpot in the fact that we have going to have three – top 20 NBA players when you have that you win titles and you know and I just don't see anybody else having that and the other good players are either by themselves or on really mismanaged weird teams and the only way the only way that I like could come around to agreeing with your thesis is if Ja is the equivalent to Steph or Steph is the greatest scorer of all time and Ja continues being the best finisher of all time that's the only way it's possible and and it's he has shown the ability to do that and so maybe he can sustain it I'm really worried about durability and his body type to be able to handle that in a grueling playoff series, which is why I would bet against it. And we're definitely not the Spurs because Jaron's not Duncan, who's top three greatest players of all time. I Jaron is going to be – obviously, Duncan. he's not going to be Duncan, but he's he's not going to be too far from Duncan, in my opinion. Like, I, I mean, I <laughs> – That is so – No, I, what? what? <laughs> he's going to win defensive players of the year and, and, and ha- average 20 points and more a game. Like I, he's gonna be, he's going to be like that. We need some board bets. Well, you know, I'm just I. I, I love. By the Jaren. way, by the way, you know, remember, like, think about how awesome Tim Duncan was. Uh, do you realize that when he was Jaren age, he had just finished his first NBA season? Let's let's remember that. Where Jaren is now at 24, that was Tim Duncan going into his second year of the NBA. Like people need to remember that when they think about just how good Jaren could potentially be. Um, and so I, I'm telling you, I'm, this is why I'm positive. And again, it could all go back on my face and, um, I'll, you know, I'll be sad I hope if you're does. right, but yeah, but I just, that's why I'm so positive. Uh, I just think we, it's an amazing thing. And I think you're right in the sense that I don't think jaw is a, like might ever be a top two, three NBA player. But I think that, uh, but somebody like a Chris Paul never had players that are as good as Jaron and Bain are going to be in three or four years. Chris Paul never got to play with people like that. So that's that's for me that that I think Jaw can can adapt his game like Chris Paul has as Chris Paul lost his athleticism. If if we had uh, reportedly we offered the Nets four first round picks, whoever whatever players they wanted besides the core three in return for Mikel Bridges. And if we if they had said yes to that deal somehow, this would be a different conversation. Like I think we'd we'd all be just like super psyched about um, the next two to three years. I think this iteration of the Grizzlies totally depends on Ja. I really wish that one of our I really really hope that one of our wing draft picks somehow breaks through because like that position is the key right now. It's what we don't have. Bain and Jaron to me are like the most elite of role players 
that you can have, and we are missing. Like if Ja can, again, it's all it's all on Ja's shoulders. If I were betting on it, I would say it's more likely that we're contenders than pretenders, just because we've we've given ourselves a shot the last two seasons. And if we continue to give you ourselves a shot with home court advantage in the playoffs, you never know what the matchups are going to be. The injury bug could hit another team. It's hit us before. So there's just not enough proof yet to me that we're not contenders, if that makes sense. Yeah. We, I mean, we're, we might, we, we hopefully will have a Nuggets type season at some point. Yeah. And have health. Yep. All right. I think we got time for one more. You got another question? Okay. So we haven't really talked about the back bench much, but the fact of the matter is that Xavier Tillman stepped up last year when Steven Adams was hurt and he improved his game. I think that's a feather in his cap. Um, and then you also do have the question about Zaire, but um, what about those role players again? I know we talked about them a little bit earlier, but is Xavier Tillman, is this, could this be a breakout season for him if Steven Adams is not whole? It's a big, it's a big season for Xavier Tillman. He just picked up um, an option, and this is the last year of his contract. So he is proving not only to the Grizzlies but to the uh, NBA at large, like he is. The NBA has not passed him by. He's kind of pegged as a traditional center with a power forward size, which isn't like your most marketable player in the NBA right now. But he he proved last season, especially in the playoffs, like. What he does well is, um, you know, he's the garbage man. Like, he'll he'll go and do the dirty work. Um, he had a pretty good Steven Adams impression in the playoffs. Of course, it wasn't quite enough. But I do think um, Kenny Lofton Jr. is the one that hasn't come up yet. And I think we could be looking at, like, a really fun, uh, really fun season, potentially, for him, especially if we're looking. He's a spark plug off the bench offensively, um, has some – obvious work to do on the defensive end but if you have Jaron playing next to him like it could be a really fun combination where you really you could have for the first time probably in Grizzlies history you could have five shooters on the floor at once which again would be like a miracle for us and so that's Lofton's the one that we haven't touched on yet and he's he's the wild card for me so he could be really fun Tillman I just I for I I love him as a guy so much that I hope that even if it's not the Grizzlies, that it's someone else who kind of will see him and give him, you know, three years, $35 million next year or something like that. So. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – like I, I would love – so I think, to me, Tillman's the kind of player that I love having on the team, but he's uh, – and this would be like a – like he's not a guy that if, – if he's playing major minutes, which he was last year, that means something's gone wrong, which it had because we'd lost Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark. And so – uh, so for me, if he's willing to take the Conchar route, which is long contract for, you know, uh, kind of for that kind of guarantee, but not a lot of money so that that we can keep him around, then I think he could be one of those guys that, that ends up playing a lot of regular season minutes, maybe plays in the playoffs in a crunch similar to Conchar. Unfortunately, I actually think he actually will might that that he will probably leave at the end of the year or we'll either trade him because we realize that or he's going to leave probably for better money than we could offer him um i think so but yeah conchar knows who he is and i think that's the same thing with Tillman. like that is like a huge because like for me over and over again to win a title you got to be really good in the regular season and i actually think the nine through 12 players really matter in the regular season 
And I also just think they, they're big culture guys and all that stuff that I really care about. And Tillman would be great in that role. I think he wants a little bit more. And I also think other teams would like to make him their seventh or eighth man. And I think that – and that's where, you know, and so the Grizzlies have to determine how much do we want to – you know, do we want to trade him and, or lose him for nothing. And I think at the same time, that's going to be a really interesting to watch as they try to deal with the future with Kenny Lofton or, or kind of – uh, you know, basically have a floor with Tillman. We know what he is. We're going to not drop off that big with him on the floor. It's going to be interesting to see how the how the front office and the coaching staff handle that and balance that this year. It'll be a fun little narrative to watch. The interesting thing about continuity is that each year, really the past two years, there's been somebody who has taken some step where we were like, oh, didn't really see that coming. Like last year, it was obviously Aldama maybe you could argue argue Conchar, but we'll just say Aldama was one where this time last year, I don't think any of us were really sitting here thinking he's going to be a major contributor and out of the gate he was. And so it's possible that, that he could take another leap. And I don't necessarily see that from Tillman necessarily. Um, I, you know, I, I do love X. I honestly think that really that this is like the most obvious comment in the world, but it kind of around this, this topic is that I do think that someone like Kennard with like a bigger role could all of a sudden be like, Oh, he's like, we always knew he was a great shooter, but now people are talking about him. Like he's, you know, the new clay Thompson. Yeah. Some um, like, like Bane was getting talked about, but Bane is having to do more of the playmaking with jaw out. So now Kennard is in that shooting role and just is knocked down all the time. And he's getting this narrative discussion that, uh, you know, that is proving to be a major leap. So, someone is, someone is gonna pop. And I, if I were if I were betting, I would think that Aldama could take another leap, having come off of FIBA, where he did look really good and was a major contributor for the Spanish team. Um, he still, I, in my opinion, needs to put on weight for that to really impact his ability from a long-term perspective at his position. Like you would really like to see him do more on his inside game um, and help us on the rebound, rebounding and defensive side of things versus just being able to hit threes in the regular season. Um, his leap really needs to come into playoffs if he gets minutes because he looks scared. Um, he didn't pass the eye test in playoff series to me, and, and I'm hoping that maybe that's something that will go away, but he's a Melton candidate when it comes to the playoffs for me. Um, and what that means is it's not good. Not, yeah. great, not great. So he's only 22 though. So then that's, I think that's the hope that he's not belting is that he, it was only, he was only 22. All right. Ty, anything else? That's it, man. Y'all all right. A great job. Thanks. Thanks for, uh, Keep that for hosting us. <laughs> yeah, thank y'all. Yeah, thanks guys. It's always fun. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>